are listening to the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Burton, and thank you for tuning in to this week's message. Before we get to it, though, I would love for you to join us for Church Online each Sunday morning at 1045. You can watch on our website at cbcmaysville.com or on our Facebook page at Central Baptist Church. Also, if you are local, we would love for you to join us in person each Sunday at 1045. We are located right on the banks of the Ohio River in the east end of Maysville, Kentucky at 437 Central Avenue. If we can pray for you, reach out to us on our website at cbcmaysville.com or on our prayer hotline. That number is 305-707-PRAY. That's 305-707-7729. I hope you enjoy this message. Well, we are in our series this morning on, on worship. And so we, we took a break last week from, uh, from Mother's Day. And so two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the, the worshiping together from a biblical perspective of, of how worship happens within uh, the context of, of the church, particularly our Sunday service. And this uh, morning is, is going to be kind of the part two of, of that. Uh, and we're going to kind of take a trip through, through history, kind of looking at why do we do the certain things that we do? And some of them, yes, are biblical. All of them have biblical foundation, but some are from different types of, of traditions that, that we might have. Uh, there was a, um, a, a young couple that had uh, met in college speaking of, of graduation, they, they just graduated from, from college and they, they were from two different, different places, but they, they came together and they're about to get married. Now they got that college degree, going to be able to, uh, you know, to earn a decent, decent living. And, and, and while they were at you know, university, they, uh, church wasn't really a huge part of, of their, their life. They, uh, you know, they were, you know, live, you know, uh, we consider good Christian lives. They were part of different Christian groups, but, but as far as just, you know, um, as a, as a couple, being in church it was just not not a huge uh, deal to. Them. But as they're getting married and thinking about the future, settling down, that's uh, something that they began to uh, to process to themselves. But but the challenge that they face is that is that the 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 the, the man grew up in, in, in a church that was, we might kind of say, a, a high church, a very formal type of, of atmosphere where, you know, it's very um, or, ornate in the sanctuary and, and uh, the, the, the minister walks in wearing a, a robe, carrying a huge Bible. There's a choir and an organ playing classical music. And, uh, and, 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 and so the, 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 the service is very, well, not, not in a negative way, but it's very scripted. It's like they're, they're following in a, a certain order each and each and every week. But the, the woman on the other side grew up in a church that was very different than, than that. She grew up in a church where, uh, you know, it, order wasn't, uh, you, you just never knew what was going to, to happen in the service. You know, sometimes there's loud music, there could be drums, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, you never knew, you know, sometimes we would start singing this song, and somebody would move on to another song, and then, and in some cases, people would just start speaking, and you didn't really understand what was being said, and people were, dare I say, dancing in the church. And so... They're talking and sharing their church experiences, and the other one is like, there's... I just don't think that I could go to a church like that. So, well, what do they do? Well, learning good marriage principles, they, they seek to find a, a compromise. Like, well, I understand, you know, we can't go to necessarily our, our churches of our traditions, but why don't we find a new church for us to go together? Kind of like we were just starting afresh, a very, you know, and uh, kind of no... Uh, um, you know, no, no baggage that we might, might bring to it. And so they begin visiting different uh, churches. Uh, and so they, they go and they, they go to uh, one uh, church that, uh, you know, what is a uh, pretty a big church. You, you, you walk in and there's like, like, it looks like Starbucks right in, in the front. And you go and you order, you can get you your Frappuccino, you know, cold brew, you know, and, and, uh, and there, and then you go over and you look and like, they've got this kid's area and 
I mean, it's like the play place at, at McDonald's, you know, and, and I mean, it's just un, unreal. And then you go into the, uh, they don't call it a, a sanctuary, they're, you know, worship center, and it, and it looks like a, a theater, and and it's really dark, and you hear loud, and you hear the music kind of come in, and, and you're watching it, and it's almost like you're at a at a concert, and then, you know, the the person, I'm not really sure he's a preacher. He gets up and he, and he, and he starts talking and he, and kind of, and it's really very dynamic and honestly, very enjoyable. They find themselves very, very comfortable as young college or, you know, recently graduated uh, um, uh, adults. And so they're like, hey, you know what? This, we might keep this one on our, our list. And then they say, but, but we want to see what else is out there to offer. And so they, they go to uh, another church and kind of being in a rural area, this church was a little uh, different. They, they go and it's a, a smaller church and, and they, they walk into it and it's, uh, it's a very different atmosphere. Everybody's really friendly and, and it's almost like they just kind of uh, adopt them as one of their own and they get in and then, but uh, they're a little uncomfortable there because people just, everybody really, you know, uh, just, uh, um, uh, you could tell that they didn't really understand what was going on. It just felt like everybody in that in the room knew what was happening, except except them. They had a bulletin, but they were trying to follow it. And honestly, sometimes they did things, but sometimes it it didn't. But but they noticed. They said we really liked the the atmosphere in this in this room. How how the people interacted with us, and you know what? It wasn't nearly as polished as as the the other uh the, the other church it didn't have all the bells and the and the whistles but but the preacher actually preached and he used scripture and and I don't know we did, they just felt like it you know they they got a little more out of 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 the message and so they've tried different churches and you know it's a, they're still just we'll just say they're they're still looking. <laughs> and this is obviously, this is a made up um, illustration here. But um, I use it to, to point that if you've ever gone to different churches, you know that each church is, is, is different. Whether it is a, a, a more formal liturgical, we might say, style following a, a, a script like the, the Book of Common Prayer, or, or, or maybe it's a, a uh, kind of a, a non-denominational, like mega type of, of church that, that, that does, it's very kind of well-produced and, uh, uh, and all the, let me say, the bells and the whistles. Uh, maybe it's a Baptist uh, church, kind of similar to, you know, to ours, where, you know, it, it was, it's kind of, you, you get up, you, you sing your hymns, and then you, you take up an offering, and you go, and then you hear the sermon preached, and, uh, and or it, maybe it's a Pentecostal kind of a church where it, it's a little more free. It's open to dancing in the, in the pews, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, singing, and even speaking in, in tongues in, in certain situations. And, because each church is, has its own unique identity. Now, sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's, that's bad. All right? And so that's why it is important for us to set the foundation for, for why we worship. Now, if you recall, we've been saying it for several weeks now, our definition of worship is that it is our response to God's revelation of who he is and what he has done. And so when we come into worship, all right, our primary motivation, our primary factor in worshiping is we worship God. We respond to God for who he is and for what he has done as, as he has revealed to us, right, through his Word through the Holy Spirit through His Son Jesus, and so when we gather together in a worship service, and honestly, anything that we do as a church, uh, all right, one we should God should be our focus, all right, but also it should be centered around around the gospel. 
It, everything that we do, from the, the songs that we sing to how we pray to uh, what is uh, preached and to even how we interact with each other, it is, it is centered around this gospel, right? That God, in his love for us, sent his son Jesus to live the perfect sinless life we couldn't live, to die the sinner's death we deserve, and he defeated sin and death by rising from the grave. That's why so many songs that we sing are about the, the cross or the blood of Jesus or it's uh, or on the, the gospel is because we want people to walk away from a worship service, right? With a understanding of the gospel, but also a deep love of the gospel. So you might wonder, you know, how in, did we ever get to, to doing what we do. For you know, for a lot of us, we, you know, this may be the only church you've ever really been a part of, been in. Or maybe you're only, you know, Baptist, or maybe you did grow up in another uh, denomination, or maybe you didn't have any real church background before you came to 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 Central. But you might wonder, you know, how do we get our hymnals or get the screens? How do we choose the music that is sung or the Bible translation that is, that is used. And, and so part of that is through, through Scripture. And we're going to see that here. Um, but also we're going to kind of take a trip through, through history to see um, different things that kind of clue us into the why we do what we do. First thing we're going to see, the Apostle Paul is writing in his letter to the, the church in Colossae. And he said this, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And so I contend for us to, to, to have a, a, a proper worship service, right? There needs to be a, a teaching or an admonishing of uh, of, of God's word, right? This is uh, the, the, the teaching through the, the preaching. Now, it's not just teaching so that we can learn, right? We've established that, right? When we, when we hear the word of, of God proclaimed, we expect God to, to speak to us through his word, through the messenger that he has, that he has called. Now, this word admonishing, you know, sometimes we, it has kind of a negative connotation, but really what we're, what we're saying is, is, is this, that when we hear the word of God, we need to act on it, right? We need to be not just hearers of the word, but we are to be, to be doers of the word, and we're to do it in wisdom. Now, another fact thing that we must have in, in, in their worship is, is singing, you know, the Christian church is unique and uh, that um, for many groups is that we, we sing. We sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In the, in the Old Testament, we, we see examples of how that is done with instruments, with harps and cymbals and drums, and, and, and there's even dancing, and, and, and it's a joy. It is this worshiping. We we sing these with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Now, the New Testament is fairly silent in how all of this is to, to play out. Right? And, you know, we talked about in the Old Testament how everything had to be followed to a T, or if not, then you could be struck down dead. Um, but in the New Testament, we have little guidance into exactly what is to be done. And, and I believe that reason for that is, as we see here at the end of verse 16, where it says, to thankfulness in our hearts to God. Because it's possible to go through the motions. It's possible to do all of the right things, but not worship. For worship starts in, in the heart. So some churches... Worship without instruments. And they, their reasoning is, is that the New Testament does not address instruments, so we just sing a cappella. And, and that's okay. You know, we, we, 
um, that, that's, that, that's okay. But many churches, and ours is one of them, we uh, worship with instruments as, as well. But we sing psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs. Songs that are about the gospel, about God and who he is and what he has, has done for us. That's one of the reasons I love, I think, singing hymns particularly. Uh, even if sometimes we may do them in a little different style, because a lot of the hymns tell a story. There's such richness and deepness in the hymn, whether it's a, a, an old hymn or a, or, a, or a modern hymn, is that, is that they, 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 they tell a, a, a story through, um, a lot of times through, through Scripture. And so when we sing, it's, it's this heart of thankfulness to God. Paul, so Paul also wrote to Timothy, talking about uh, the teaching of the public reading of Scripture. All right, so we are, Scripture is to be a part of our services. Now, some churches, they have the calendar that they follow and they, they read. Uh, different people might come up and they will read different sections of of scripture and and um, others, you know, have a little more freedom in how they they use scripture. But scripture should be a part of our worship gathering. I had a uh, professor tell us that, as, especially as you know, young men training to be pastors, is that when you stand up and read read the word of God, we need to read it like it has life. <laughs> it's like sometimes we. We get up there and we read, and it's almost like we're, we're reading the dictionary or we're, we're reading the phone book. It's, there's just little, uh, just little emphasis, and it's just almost dead. It says, when we read the Scripture, we need to read it with all we have because it truly is the Word of, of God. First example of, of the church gathering uh, post uh, Jesus ascending post Pentecost is in the book of, of Acts, Acts chapter 2. We, we, we read this, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising in God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we can see here in the, the, the early church, really the first you know, Christians that were called in, in the book of Acts, and, and a couple of things that we notice in these few verses is when they gathered every day. Can you imagine coming to the church every single day? Some translations have said the ESV says day by day. Others say, say daily, um, every day. And uh, in fact, I think back to, to Charles Spurgeon, the pastor at the Metropolitan Baptist Church in London in the 1800s. It talks about he would preach every single day. They would have services every, every day. But not only did the early church gather together, where did they, they, they attended temple together and breaking bread in their in their homes. We're going to see that for much of uh, the early church period uh, that, that worship took place in, in homes. You might call them like house churches. Um, and, um, and the breaking of bread was a part of that. I knew West Baptist had biblical reasons for all of our potluck dinners. Praise God, we can get those things back. I need some fried chicken in me. Um, um, but not just a breaking of the bread, but it was also the, the taking of, of the Lord's Supper. And so they did it, and they received it, what? With glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. We also know with this early, the church in, in Acts chapter 2, that, that they collected offerings, that they, they took up money, all right? Not so that, uh, you know, they could... Um, you, know, you know, become super rich, but they did it so that they could, could give it to those in, in need. So we see that giving is an act of worship. Now, 
Obviously, it is possible to just begrudgingly write a check out or, or you know, with a clenched fist, drop those dollar bills into, into the offering plate, whether they're past or in the back, they're in the back in case you, you want to know, you, you can um, drop that in on the way out. But, uh, but we should give with glad and generous hearts. And we see that as the church faithfully gathered day by day, breaking bread in their homes, the Lord was faithful to them. And he added to their number, what day by day, those who were being saved. So we see another aspect of the early church is that people came who were not believers and were, and were saved. Now, post, um, post-scriptural uh, times, one of the early church fathers, uh, Justin Martyr, um, explained to this and how uh, the church during his uh, time period gathered. And he, and he said that on the day called Sunday, all who live in cities or in the country gather together where in one place. And the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. Now, these are not memoirs that just anybody might say, you know what, I wrote something that I need to, to share with you today. No, these are the scriptures right, that, we, that we have in, in, in bound form. They would read from uh, the gospels. They would read from the epistles of, of, of Paul. They would read from the prophets of, of the Old Testament. And how long would they read? Well, they wouldn't usually just read a verse or two. No, they would read as long as time permits. And let's just say that their service lasted a little longer than the hour or so that many services today in America last. But we can fast forward through, um, the, through uh, the, the, the time period into the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages. Yes, the church met during these times, and we see the rise of, of the Catholic Church in, um, in, in Rome. And, and that's where things began to become a little more formalized. And, uh, and so we moved to the Gothic church kind of cathedral types and, uh, and um with uh, with the instrumentation and um and 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 this what we call a liturgy and basically it's just a fancy word of saying order of service. Um, they had a order that they that they followed, and then in the 1500s we come to a pretty significant event in the Christian Church, which is the the Protestant Reformation. Right on uh, Halloween, October 31st. Uh, and uh, 15 and 18, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on, on the doors of the Wittenberg uh, Cathedral in, in Austria. And, um, and these 95 theses were kind of an indictment against the way that the Catholic Church was, was, um, was living and working. But we might think that it was just a complete um, revolt of, of anything Catholic, and that's not really the, the case um, yes, they were against the indulgences that were being sold, the corruption that was um, being had, but, uh, but uh, the worship, the service itself was largely, they kept a lot of the things. Now, one a key difference that, that um, um, we begin to see in the Reformation and continuing on even to today is, is the, the primacy of the preaching of the word. And it's at this time that you began to see big pulpits Come into the into the middle, uh, uh, whereas in um, in other faith traditions, you'll see the the the, the pulpit being off to the side or to the other, and that is to to signify the, the the significance, the centrality of the scripture, as in we say the sola scriptura in scripture alone. In fact, uh, when I was in uh, in, in Scotland, uh, and which is uh, part of the the, the Scottish Reformation um, back in the the days with uh, John Knox being one of the reformers, uh, the church that that I, I had the privilege to, to preach in didn't just have a um, have a pulpit, but which is typical of many other churches is you you had a pulpit that was elevated. You had to take stairs in order to get up into this pulpit and you stood above everybody else. Now, interesting is that 
they no longer use that pulpit. They have a little um, more like a music stand that is sitting on the ground to be closer to the people. But they still, and this is a tradition of the Presbyterian churches, is that they, they have a large Bible that someone will bring in and they will and they will walk up those stairs and they will place it on the pulpit and open it up to signify the importance of the Word of God. So then we can uh, fast forward to, to even to the, the kind of the revivalist period in the, uh, in the, uh, the, the second, the, the two great awakenings, and particularly for us in America, the second great awakening with um, uh, men like uh, Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and uh, the Wesley brothers, John and, and Charles Wesley. And we begin to see that, um, that, that hymns were, were being written. And uh, some of uh, my favorite hymns are written by, by Charles Wesley. And, uh, and so we begin to see an expansion of of what is sung for in uh, the the more um, formal traditions, the congregation did not sing very much. You might do a response, but it was mostly led by a um, a, a cantor or a, a choir, and uh, you would just kind of be passive and just kind of listen. But but now we we move into this time of congregational singing, which has scriptural root, right? We are to to sing songs, hymns, and, and spiritual songs. And um, from then, we also begin to see a, a shift for which in church tradition, much of the worship service itself was geared toward, toward believers. Now, they wouldn't say that they were anti-sharing the gospel with, with those in the church, but that was, it was not necessarily what we would say being evangelistic. And so, and, and so we begin to see this shift of to, to, um, to what might be called the the, uh, the camp meetings. Now, in Baptist, we uh, it wasn't a huge thing for us, but being in this area, have you anybody ever heard of of camp meetings? And, yeah, it's little large within the the Christian church and the Methodist uh, church, and part of that is because the Second Great Awakening has special roots right down the road in Bourbon County. Eight. At Cane Ridge, and if you've ever been there, I encourage you to go. It's a, uh, it's a, it's just a, a, a neat um, testimony of of God at at work, and and so there it was really an interdenominational kind of different churches would come, and not too many Baptists were a little different, and but uh, that's okay. Uh, they would, um, and, and so we might hear what called the the circuit riders, and, and so in a lot of rural areas, you did not have. Um, uh, you know, the amount of people to have preachers in every, every area didn't necessarily have church buildings in every community. And so you would have these preachers that would come through. And so instead of every Sunday, you might once a month or so have a, a camp meeting and people would come in, they would camp and they would have a tent and then you would have a, a camp meeting. And what's interesting, the other uh, day we were up in, in Lewis County driving by Camp Ruggles, which is a Methodist camp and on their sign right there says camp meeting coming July something you know in in July and so so we still see that some of that tradition even though the Methodists largely have churches uh, around and, and so from that we, we begin to see uh, meetings become a little more evangelistic a little more emotional in, in how things are are being done and so and so, um, uh, and so, uh, we we you might have heard the the uh, uh, the, the the sawdust trail or the anxious seat, or the, the crying bench. And, and those things were, were used because when the word of God was preached, when the uh, invitation was given, they expected people to hear uh, the gospel and expected the Holy Spirit to quicken them, to move in them, and, and that they would come forward and repent of their sins and be saved. And so they would come and they would be crying or they would be anxious to be saved. And uh, the sawdust trail really even became a little bit later with the uh, arrival of, uh, of Charles Finney and, uh, and the, the tent revivals. And, and we can see that being traced through to uh, Billy Sunday, Mordecai Ham, and um, one who heard Mordecai Ham at a, at a tent revival, he said was was Billy Graham 
and Billy Graham kind of took that same model from the early in the, the Los Angeles, his would have kind of kicked off his evangelistic career, uh, was a, a large tent right there in, in Los Angeles. And speaking of Billy Graham, tomorrow night, I encourage you, I'm hoping to catch it too, on PBS, they're doing a, a special documentary of, uh, of the life of, 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 of Dr. Graham. And so we begin to see this shift of uh, music, a little more, not so much in just uh, the, the hymns that we used to, to, to but, but new songs were being written. And a little before that time, you had hymn writers like Isaac Watts and Fanny Crosby and, uh, and, and the like that were, were writing new music. And, and believe it or, or, or not, some of our old cherished hymns once were, they once were new songs. And believe it or not, there were people that did not like it. <laughs> Many churches were split over the fact that, well, you're singing stuff that is not directly out of, uh, of Scripture, or a lot of the old hymns used bar tunes <laughs> as, their, as their musical base. And so we begin to see kind of this, uh, this uh, shift to more to... Um, uh, um, making sure that the gospel is proclaimed, giving people the time to respond. And then uh, we see in the early 1900s, the Azusa Street Revival taking place out in California, where kind of a large Pentecostal a gathering where thousands of people would come and, 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 um, and be, be saved. And it was a little more charismatic in how they moved, the speaking of in tongues and, um, and uh, kind of music that was very emotive and, and, and things were done. And then you had uh, the... The kind of you know the Jesus people in the seventies, kind of the in the time of Woodstock, might I don't any hippies, but that was the kind they, they kind of came out of that and got saved and were on fire for Jesus. But you know they still loved their guitars and they loved the kind of the rock and roll and they just used that as a means to uh, uh, to, to to get the the gospel to people. And you had modern Christian music, like uh, bands like Old Petra, and, uh, uh, and that was a little before my time, and then, but Amy Grant, and, you know, and all the way up to today, and uh, groups like Casting Crowns, and Michael W. Smith, and even King and Country, and you name it, there's a number of them. And so this kind of leads us to where things kind of are to, today, and, and it's not specifically to um, our church or any church in particular, but but we can see that the, the the shift is that some churches still hold to a formal liturgical style of worship, whereas others are a little more free in, in how they worship. But what I would argue is that everybody has an order of worship, whether it's codified in a book that you just follow every Sunday, every year, or uh, you come in and you, because you have to know what you're going to, to be doing. And, uh, and so with that, um, we, we, we see that I think there's some good things and there are some things that could potentially cause some, some issues. And so one of the, the things that, and that's why we must make sure that we have the foundation for why we worship, that definition, right? It's our response, right? It's not, it's not primarily for us. It's our responding to God for who he is and for what he has, has done. And so um, now through that, I think we have freedom in how we can worship. Um, and we've seen that. I'm sure those of you that have been even, I mean, even my lifetime for sure, and those that are around longer than that than me, they have seen the different shifts and trends, and some are, you know, good. We like them, but others are, are not. I mean, I think back to just the modern amplification, right? the, the microphone. I'm sure back in the time when somebody, that people were like, why in the world would you need a microphone? And uh, you know, I wish I had the voice like uh, George Whitfield, who would just stand on a in the town center and, and start preaching, and thousands of people would just come <laughs> and and hear him and be saved. And uh, but it allows us to be able to to, to hear, and, and and so we see that as times go on, contexts are a little different. 
All right, so we in Maysville, Kentucky, in some ways, are going to worship a little different than a church in New York City or in, you know, uh, Hollywood, California, or in, in Florida. Right? We worship a little different than our Methodist brothers and sisters or our Church of Christ or our Presbyterian friends. And, and, and while, um, you know, there are, we have deep disagreements with certain aspects of, of that, we must recognize that the gospel is the focus. So whether you're a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a Baptist, uh, that the, the gospel is to be the center of, of what we do. And so the challenge, though, that is just being a completely evangelistic. Our whole purpose is just to bring in unsaved people to, to hear the good gospel and to respond while we, we applaud that. But is that it, 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 if we're not careful, we can go down to, to the, the trail to, um, to where we almost have gimmicks to, to bring people in. And in fact, I, you know, I, I've you know seen some churches through you know, COVID being online, and and I'm watching it, and honestly, I it's not all that different than watching Jimmy Fallon or for those of you little you know Jay Leno or or David Letterman, right? You you know the 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 the, the MC comes out and he gives a a little monologue, throws in some jokes here or there, then the house band comes in and and starts playing music and. And then there's a comes out. Then there's an interview. All right, you got to bring in some celebrity to interview. So it's got some good things. And then you know you give some good pointers and how to you know to to, to, leave, to live a good life. And then you know you got some more music and maybe even throw in a game or two in there just to make everybody feel really comfortable. And and uh, and so we can see that some it's not really any different one versus the other. Sometimes it's it is we can um, we can almost try to in, entice people to coming into worship and and the thing is is that when we when our sole focus is just on being e- evangelistic is that one it's centered on us versus centered on God. Now we contend that if we center on God, the evangelism will take place, right? But also. It's a gathering of the saints. Our, our, I'll say the family reunion that we have, it's, it's almost like you're leaving a part of the people out. Now on the flip side, is if all we do is just care about the people that are in the room. What do we like? What makes us comfortable? We have our own insider language that somebody comes in, you know, they, they just don't know what's, what's going on and, and, uh, and everything is just about, about us, about us, about us. If we're not careful, then we have no baptisms, no people coming to the faith. And, and guess what? God will not honor that. Right? He won't add to our numbers day by, by day. So I believe it's in with most things that we need to strike that that balance. I love tradition. You know, I'm um, I, I love history and looking back and uh, and looking at the the good things of how we've gotten to where we we are. Uh, but as I said, much uh, you know, uh, several a uh, couple months ago, this uh, idea of conservation versus preservation. Being conservative means that we that we take the good from from the the the, the past and we we don't lose our identity, but we do you know different methods and in different contexts that we are in you know make some changes here or or there to appeal to the time that we're in. Now you take that with preservation. Preservation is is. It's like we're in a museum. Nothing changes. We cling to the everything to be the way that it is because we think that everything that we do is is um, is commanded by by God, and and that if we make any change, in some ways we might think we're disrespecting the past. But uh, but the thing with preservation is is it stymies. Growth, it stymies new life. And so my desire for us as a church, 
my, I believe God's just, um, just working in me as your pastor and just in the things that, things that have um, gone through this past um, year plus. <laughs> I was chatting with Mary and Judy earlier. Like, you know, with the majority of my time being the pastor here at Central Baptist has been during COVID-19. <laughs> I was like, wow, I, honestly, I'm not even, you know, it just, it, it's hard to believe that. And, um, and, and so I think, you know, God can use bad things that have happened as that I think he's disrupted a lot of preservation, but allowed us to, to cling to our conservation. That's why I've shared you time again for, is this idea of the future of the past. The future of, of the past. Is that what is essential to us? First, what is commanded of us in, in Scripture. Right, we never waver on, on that. All right, if we're not preaching the word, if we're not true to the word of God, then can we even call ourselves a church? And then we look through our history and what is dear and near, dear to us. What is the, the culture of the church? What do, we, what do we want to conserve? And so this idea of the future of the past is not so much doing a radically new things things, but really it's kind of getting us back to, to where we, where things were exciting, where when, uh, you know, people were, were coming to the Lord, the baptism was, baptistry was full all of, of the time. People were inviting other people to, to worship. And we were, uh, you know, we were all in, engaged and we had, you know, it, it was an exciting time. And and how can we take that and kind of move that into 2021 and beyond, finishing out our first century as, as a church? And so as you can probably tell from just me and some of the things that we've been doing over the last several months is, uh, one, I never want to get rid of the hymns. So I said, ah, I mean, there's such goodness, richness in these words. They tell the story of Jesus. Uh, now, sometimes we'll do them very traditional, and sometimes we'll even, um, still not so sure on our little jazz number with the worship the king, but uh, we tried it. And, uh, uh, but we can worship God in different ways in different modes, different, different means to use them, to uplift them. And it's okay to use new songs as well. A friend of mine, Travis Cottrell, worship leader down in Tennessee, said, he said, you know what? God didn't quit using people to write music when Fanny Crosby died. God is still using people to write rich and good songs, songs that speak to us. And in fact, next week, I hope that you're going to be here because uh, uh, we're going to do a song that uh, um, I know will touch your heart. I know it, it will. Um, and, but, but through that, and, and so we still want the Word to be central. I believe in the preaching of uh, the Word of God. I believe that the Spirit is to be among us. I want us to feel life in our worship. I want us to, to feel the, that God is speaking. I'd never want us to come into this room thinking, okay, well, all right, I got that done. I'm good until, until next week. No, I want us to live, leave out of these doors filled with the Spirit so that we can be doers of, of His Word. And yes, I want us to, 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 to always to, to, to be evangelistic, to give people to the ability to respond, not in an emotional, uh, driven, trying to kind of manipulate people to, to, just to, to you know, just so that we can say we've had a whole bunch of baptisms only to find that maybe they weren't genuine conversions. No, I want to allow the Spirit to, to work, that God to move in the hearts of, of, of those that He loves. But ultimately, I want 
God to be the focus, to be centered on the gospel. And I want us to, to be, I want it to edify the body, edify to build up. I think it's a biblical concept because, you know, it, 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 believe it or not, I don't know if you know this, but people have different preferences, different views on different things. And it's just, you, you learn a lot just by standing on a stage looking at people. You can tell that people have different preferences based on how you all are dressed. We're a very nice dress-wise diverse group. We have some that are wearing ties. Nobody's quite, I know, I'm, I'm an oddball with the, with the bow tie, but uh, somebody's got to be, <laughs> there's got to be one in the crowd. But uh, some are a little more casual in their, 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 their style dress, and that's, that's okay. We don't see in the New Testament the, um, the call that we have to wear the, the priestly garb as in the Old Testament. And I know just from spending time with you, we've all got different preferences in music. Some like, you know, formal classical music. I love classical. Handel's Messiah is probably my favorite piece of music. I see it every year. Uh, others are more Southern gospel in, in, in style. Hey, bring on the gators. You know, and others, hey, we need a little, little bluegrass in or some more contemporary modern stuff. And, and I hope you've noticed because we've been intentional in the music is that We've tried to do a little bit of, of everything. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. There's some songs and styles that, honestly, I just don't really care for. But guess what? That's okay. Because it's not all about me. Because I know that there are some that that song that I don't really care for probably speaks specially to, to somebody else that is out here. <laughs> And I think that's a good thing because if we always only do everything that, that is to our liking, to our tasting, then that's what in a room as diverse as this, we're going to leave some people out. We're going to leave some people out. And so we can, we can do this within, you know, a, a uh, you know, uh, obviously we, we, we've got to have some boundaries. All right, so I'm not quite the... Um, you know, you're, uh, you're not going to see us move to where we're doing interviews or that kind of thing. No, this, we're believing the preaching of the Word of God. Right? Now, we can do interviews at a different time. That's, that's cool. Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I'll tell some jokes just because I'm corny and I'm a dad like that. But, uh, it's, you know, always moving into the Word of, to the word of God. And, uh, and I always want us to edify one another and uh, to seek to be gospel-focused, bringing glory and honor to, to God. So as we, we close this morning, you know, I'm, I was thinking, how do you, I mean, kind of, this is a little different in my preaching. It's kind of more of a, a history type of, of lesson, but we believe in the, the Spirit. God still speaks through His through his word, through the preaching, right? And I was trying to think, as we end this morning, how do I want us to end? And I think the ultimate goal of our worship is to be in absolute awe of God and his son, Jesus whether we've been saved for 80 years or maybe we're not saved, that we would see the beauty in the gospel. That God would love us so much that he would send Jesus to die for our sins. That, that, he, would, God, that, that he would die a death that he didn't deserve, but yet he, but yet he willingly went. So if you're here this morning and you have not yet experienced the goodness of, of Jesus and the, this gospel message, please, right now, open your heart and your mind to allow God to speak to you. And if He's calling you to be saved, may today 
be the day of your salvation. Don't leave out of this room without speaking to me or speaking to somebody else. (laughs) And maybe we've been in church a long time or maybe we grew up in church and kind of been in and out and we're kind of getting back into it. And I want you to think back to when Jesus saved you. I want you to think the sweetness of of Jesus and how marvelous He is. And I pray that 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 would move in us to not just go through the motions, but that our hearts would be stirred, would be affected, and and that, yes, we would deepen our love for Him, but also that we would deepen our love for others so that we too may be evangelists and to share that message of hope to those who need to hear it. Pastor Adam again, thank you for listening to this message. Do you feel God working in your heart? Is He calling you to be saved? Are you ready to follow Jesus? If so, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us on our website at cbcmaysville.com or on our prayer hotline at 305-707-PRAY. That's 305-707-7729. We want to connect with you to send you some free resources to help you to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I would love to hear your feedback on our sermon podcast. You can email me personally at adam at adamburton.net. And don't forget both our online church service at cbcmaysville.com and on Facebook, as well as our in-person service every Sunday at 1045. I'll be there and I hope you are too. Well, I look forward to joining you again next week for Central Baptist Church's sermon podcast. God bless.